Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Hey, if the Lord's been good to you, would you give him a hand clap of praise in this place? A shout of praise. You've been good to us, Lord. And we're thankful in this place today. So good. Hey, listen, I know you've been through some things maybe this year. Maybe you've been through some things in your life. But if you still have breath in your lungs, let me tell you, God's been good to you. You're still here. God's been good to you. You haven't quit yet. God's been good to you. You still have faith. God's been good to you. We have so much to say thank you, God, for how good you are. Listen, I know you came in here maybe for some different reasons. Maybe you came here to get more of God. Maybe you came here because you thought a girl was cute. Maybe you came here because you just wanted to see the new building. I don't know why you came here, the new building. But I want to tell you something right now. I believe God wants us to raise our expectation. He wants us right now to say, I want to receive something. So online, type in the chat, I'm here to receive something. And I want all of you right now to say, say, I'm here to receive. Say, say, I'm here to receive. Listen, if you're here, God's got something to give to you. He wants to deposit and download something in you because he doesn't want you leaving here the same. You came in here empty, I believe he wants to fill you up. You came in here hopeless, I believe he's going to instill you with hope. You came in here with fear, you're going to leave with faith. So turn to your neighbor right here, right now and tell him, say, we're about to receive. And you can be seated this morning. Mark 11, chapter 11, verse 27. I'm going to be reading through chapter 12, verse 12, so stick with me. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, he being Jesus, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, by what authority, everybody say authority, are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority, say it, authority, to do them? Today I want to talk to you about authority, about accepting authority. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. How many of you know, we just love Jesus. He's savage. He's like, you're not going to answer me? I'm not answering you. I got nothing for you. But then he actually tells them a story about them. So moving on, chapter 12, verse 1. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants. And went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. 
And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him. The inheritance will be ours. And they took him and they killed him, threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Today I want to teach you a message entitled, Accepting Authority. We're in a series walking through the book of Mark verse by verse. If you're new here, this is something we do at this church. We teach, uh, we call it expository preaching, which means verse by verse through books of the Bible. We take little breaks for other series, but we've been in the book of Mark for two years. It's actually going to take us three years. We're going to finish this book, the beginning of 2022. That's commitment, church. And I love teaching verse by verse through books of the Bible because you can't run from any topic. Like, we're at it. We got we to gotta address it. We got to tackle it. We got to go after it. Now, some of you are like, oh, I'm new here, and I just, I'm just jumping in. That's okay because I believe every section of Scripture, God can speak something to our hearts. And so if you're the first time here, you've been here since chapter 1 or verse 1, God's got something for you. And I want to talk to you about authority today. You know, authority, this section is about authority, but it's a very strong word, isn't it? Authority. Yet one, I believe in today's culture that we don't have a lot of respect for. In fact, most of us push back against authority. I've had a really hard time with this whole situation, pandemic, because I'm a rebel by nature. Where's my rebels at? I'm a rebel by nature as I had to wear my Lil Nas X boots today. You know what I'm saying? Like, taking my horse to that old town road. But, now when your wife buys your boots, you wear them. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you just like to be extra when you're a rebel, don't you? So they told me to stay home. I'm like, stay home? My personality by nature, uh, you can't trap me. Don't put me in a box. Don't make me stay in my, I mean, this was hard for me, y'all. This is a hard season. Some of you, by nature, you're rule followers. Where are my rule followers at? You're like, I follow the rules. They tell me to stay home. I have not left in months. I mean, props to you. It's just hard for people like me. I actually feel like our response to this pandemic has been more about our personality than our politics. And sometimes we made it all about politics, but really it's just our personalities coming out. And so my, my natural personality has had a hard time in this season. But I think we have a hard time with authority because we've seen the abuse of authority. We've seen authority abused in our lives, and so we reject authority in our lives. Maybe you were abused in church. Like I, I've seen it in church where churches can become a place of spiritual abuse. We abuse our authority. Maybe the authority of your parents turned into abuse, maybe emotional, maybe even 
physical. The reality is we've seen authority abused so many times, we have a hard time accepting authority in our lives. And it carries over to the authority of God, doesn't it? The authority of God then, because of all the abuse we've experienced at the hands of authorities in our lives, in this world, makes us not want to accept the authority of the God that created us. And so we push back on his authority. We reject his authority. And we don't want to follow his authority because we want to follow what we think is best. Often it's out of just protecting ourselves from what we fear. You know, I was thinking about authority because authority denotes position, power, influence, the ability to exercise control. There are all kinds of authority. Uh, as I was thinking about authority, I was thinking about referees. How many know referees are the most hated authority? And the reason we hate referees is because we, we have this perspective that the referees are abusing their authority. That they have a proclivity or propensity to favor one side more than the other. And as a Sacramento Kings fan, we have not made the playoffs for the longest drought in the NBA, 13 plus years now. I got to blame someone, so I just try to blame the referees every night. But I, I wonder if we start to just see God as a referee. He's this impartial judge that sometimes feels like shows partiality. He doesn't care about the outcome. But how many of you know that's not the God that we serve? That our God does have a propensity to favor one side, and that is his children. So I wanted to tell you right now, our God is not some referee standing off at a distance. He is present, the ever-present help in time of trouble. He's there in your lives. He's walking alongside of you, and he's actually for you. He's trying to stack the deck in your favor. Did you know that, church? Just like me as a father, I want to do everything I can to set my kids up for success. Our God does the same but we see him as an authority and we want to push back on his authority in our lives. We don't want to accept his authority. And I want to tell you, accepting authority is what I believe is going to set us up for the life that we are meant to live. The authority of God is not there to oppress us. It's there to empower us. And so often we've seen it as this oppressive thing, God's authority. He's trying to control me and oppress me and, and manipulate me. And he doesn't want me to do what I want to do. When in reality, his authority is going to empower us. So if you take nothing else away, I want you to take this home with you. Accept God's authority in your life. And you will walk with God's authority on your life. You see, I think what we've missed is, is this authority and receiving it and accepting it. And we, we think that if we have control, then we'll have a better life. But I wanted to tell you that when you accept the authority of God over your life, you are going to have the greatest life because you're going to have an empowered life. You're going to have the authority of God on your life. Then every room you walk in, you walk with a different swagger, a different 
favor, a different power. When there's authority on you, you have nothing to fear. And we live in a world afraid, a culture afraid, and we wonder why. It's because we're the authority. We've made ourselves the authority, and when we embrace the authority of God on our life, we don't walk in fear any longer. We walk in faith because the authority of God on you empowers you and strengthens you for a life that can be hard. Because how many know life punches you in the mouth sometimes? You get beat up. You get knocked down. You get hurt. But when God's on you, you can get yourself back up. He lifts you up and you can keep going. So I want to talk to you about the truth of our ultimate authority. You see, in order to accept our authority, we have to know the truth about authority. I think there's a lot of lies out there about God as our authority. In a world where we can't trust earthly authority, we need to know the truth about our ultimate authority. So as we look at this text, the first truth about our ultimate authority in God is that our authority is generous. How many know our God is generous? He's a good God. He gives good gifts. He's there to bless, not to curse. He's there enhance, to enhance, not to limit. So we look at this text, and I want to go back to this story. Uh, Jesus has just said, I'm not going to answer you. If you don't answer my question, they want to know, where'd you get this authority? How are you teaching with this authority? And if you didn't know, I, I've talked about it in weeks past, but maybe you're here for the first time. Um, Jesus taught different than the other rabbis. You see, the other rabbis would just reference different theologians and rabbis of the past. And they'd say, here's the scripture from the Old Testament. And so-and-so says it means this, and so-and-so says it means this, and so-and-so says it means this. And that was how they taught. But Jesus did, indif- did it different. He said, you've heard it said, but I say. He didn't make anyone else the authority. He said, I say. He declared himself as the authority. He said, I say, and I believe in this day, in this moment, in this culture, so many of us do not see the power and the authority of our Savior. And the power and authority of our Savior is that our Savior walks and carries a spirit and a heart of generosity. You see, Jesus taught with authority, but he didn't do it for position or power. He did it for the people. And the difference is, in this culture, we look out, authority that is abusive is about position. It's about power. But authority that is rooted in God, it's about generosity. It's about the people. It's about what I can give, not what I can get. See, our Savior walked with a generous authority. Our God walks with a generous heart and spirit. Now look at this story. And as They would have heard Jesus begin to teach this story. I'm just going to give you some background and history real quick. They would have known right when he started this story on the vineyard and this owner that then leased it out to some tenants, they would have immediately gone to Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 1. You see, the people, the Jews who he was teaching, they very well 
knew the Old Testament scriptures. And so they would have known immediately, oh, he's referencing this story from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, which in fact is a story of judgment. And this story references the sour berries that the owner got from the tenants. And it was a series of woes that were then spoken over the nation of Israel because of their rejection of God. So they would have known this about him. They would have heard this, uh, or they would have known this about Isaiah. They would have heard this story and they'd be like, okay, we, we know where you're going with this. But Jesus changes the story a bit. And he directs it towards these religious leaders. And he calls them out. And, and we can now recognize as we read through the story, we see that the owner of the vineyard was God. The vineyard was Israel. The cultivators, the tenants, are the rulers of Israel. And the servants who the owner sent stands for the prophets. And then after they kill and beat and rebuke and reject multiple of the prophets or the servants who God sent, he then sends his son. You see, our God is generous. He gave them this vineyard in Israel to tend to. What he's saying to them is, look, I've given you everything you need to survive, to live, to thrive. And I think sometimes we don't realize just how much God has given us. Now, I've been to other countries overseas. You ever been to another country? I've gone on some missions trips. I've been to the Mathari Valley of Kenya, and, and in this slum where it's the highest concentration of people in one square mile living with running sewage everywhere in, in shacks, I've seen what true poverty looks like. I've been to Haiti and walked through the slums of Haiti. I've been to a lot of very poor, struggling places. I want to tell you, when you go and experience that firsthand, when you go sit in the home of one of these people, which I've done on multiple occasions, you come back and you realize just how generous God has been to you. But you know what's crazy is when you go there and you walk through these slums and these people, you, you, you also see so much joy. And I walked in the homes of Christians living in one of the poorest places in the world and I saw joy. Why? Because they were thankful for all that God had given them. Our culture in America makes us unthankful for all that we have. And we have a lot, while people with much less are more grateful than we are. We have to recognize how generous our God is. And some of you are out there going, Caleb, you ain't seen my bank account lately, obviously. I'm, try I'm, trying to hear about this, I'm not trying to hear about this generous God you're telling me about. I want to tell you something. I believe God has given us everything we need to accomplish all that he has for our lives. Just some of us haven't stewarded it well, and some of us are still in process. And just because you're not where you want to be doesn't mean you're not where you used to be. It doesn't mean you haven't come a long way. And so I want to tell you, you may not be where you want to be. But let me tell you, God's given you everything you need for this season, for this moment. I want us to be thankful in this place. We need it right now. Let's just give God a shout of praise and thanks for all that he's poured out and showered in our lives. If any of you in this room are struggling financially, you need help right now, 
I want you to email info at projectchurch.com online. We've been helping people through this pandemic. And so I just want you to know our church is here for you because of the generosity of people who have much. We're able to help those who have little. So I just want if somebody's in here going, I don't know how I'm going to make it tomorrow. We got you, all right? Email us. God is generous. Our authority is generous. You see, this story, which I don't think we recognize a lot, is that the, the owner of the vineyard left the tenants to take care of the vineyard. And this is just a reminder to me that God gives us so much freedom. I think people are all, always asking, like, how do I know the will of God? How do I know the next step for my life? How do I know I should do with what with what I have? I just want to tell you that God often is just saying, you decide. He's given you so many choices, so many options, so much favor, so many blessings. I think sometimes he's just going, you decide. Use wisdom. Seek my heart. Seek my word. Read my word. And then you decide. Steward what I've given you well. Why? Because I'm a generous God. And what I love about our God is I don't think we've even scratched the surface of all that he has for us. I don't think we've even scratched the surface of all he has for this church. We may have a building now. This is just the beginning of what I believe is an outpouring of the power of God on our church. Why? Because he's a generous God. Our authority is generous. This allegory and parable in one. If you didn't know, this is kind of like a, a mix. It's a parable, but it's also an allegory. It's a story, a made-up story, but it's also representative of people who, who are actually parts of the story. As I referenced earlier. He's so generous, our authority, which is why we have to accept his authority. But not only is he so generous, our authority is also so patient. How many know we serve a patient God? He's patient with us in the process. Let me tell you how I know he's patient. Because on the regular, God goes, Caleb, go that way. And I go, oh, cool, God. And then he, he goes, Caleb, Caleb, and he gets my attention. He goes, I said that way. Oh, right, right, right. And then I go, squirrel. And I start going, you feel me? Because you are me. Every one of you. We all know when God says, I, I got something for you, and here's my direction for your life, and here's what's right and righteous and holy, and the next step you should take. And yet so often we, we divert, we stray, and yet, God just keeps tapping us on the shoulder, going, no, 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 I got something better for you. I know you, you wanted to dabble in that and try that, but I got something better for you. And this is representative here, because did you see what happened when I read the story? He sends one servant, they beat him up, run him off. Send another servant, they beat him up, run him off. Send another, another servant, they kill him. So finally, he goes, I'll send my son, because surely they'll accept him, respect him, it says, and then they kill him. And then even after that, what does it say? He sends more servants. Why? Because our God is patient. 
He never gives up on you. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. And somebody in this room has been running from God. You've been running for years, for decades. I want to tell you, God has not given up on you. You're not too far gone. You, you haven't done enough to separate yourself from him. And today you can come back. You guys are kind of excited today. You know one thing about being a father is you have to have a lot of patience. I'm a father of three. And you have to have a lot of patience. And how many you know as a father, sometimes you, lo you lose your patience. And I have this thing like in my life right now where often on Sundays my wife comes early. She was leading worship today. Good job, girl. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what that was. And uh, she comes early, so I have to get all three kids ready. And it's something about Sundays. And I know this is true because y'all are always late for worship. So it's something about Sundays. I mean, 11 a.m. started. There was like 20 people in here. <laughs> It's something about Sunday. How many know Sundays for some reason is harder to wake up? I'm not judging you because I am one of you, okay? Something about Sundays, my kids just can't get up. Saturdays, 6 a.m., they're out there playing video games. Sunday, I'm like shaking them. Tested all my patience this morning. Charlie didn't want to wear anything I picked out for her. There were tears and there was anger on my part. Being patient is hard. And yet, our God is so patient with us. He's so patient. And we throw fits and cry about what we're going to wear. We have a hard time getting out of bed and we fight him over which direction we want to go versus where he's telling us to go. And yet he's patient and he waits on us and he loves us and he hugs us when we're hurting He's a patient God. This is the final week of Jesus' life. I don't know if I said that today, but we referenced it the last couple weeks. He's just had the triumphal entry. And he goes into the temple, and Lauren just spoke on this two weeks ago, about how Jesus flips the tables and drives out the money changers. And some of you heard this, and you're like, dang, Project Church has a coffee shop, though. We need to drive that thing out of here. <laughs> but I just want to give you some context. It was regular for them to sacrifice and to sell sacrificial animals in the temple courts. That was normal. It was regular. That was normal. In fact, I got a picture of it. Can you throw up the Jerusalem temple for me real quick? Um, it was normal. Now, I think this is crazy because if, if you don't know, this overhang is called Solomon's Portico. And this is where the, the prophets and the, the scribes would have been teaching the people. Why? Because it was sunny and it was windy and it was hot. And they stayed, you know, in there for protection, protection from the elements. But the temple, we look at it and from a distance we're like, oh, it's not that big. But in reality, that space is the size of of 15 football fields. 15 football fields would fit in there. And so when Jesus is teaching 
and the scribes are threatened because their authority is threatened, when Jesus is doing this, there are most likely thousands of people listening to him, filling over, spilling out into the court. And Jesus comes in and he flips the tables, the money changers. Why does he do this? Because they were charging, upcharging all the animals, taking advantage of the people. So it wasn't that they were selling things there. They were supposed to. It was that they were abusing the people, upcharging the people, taking advantage of the people. And Jesus is mad, and so he flips the tables, drives out the money changers. Blueprint Coffee, we have the lowest prices in Sacramento, okay? Just want to let you know. We are not upcharging anybody. Half the price of everybody else. I'm not going to call anyone out. What am I saying? Caleb, what are you talking about? What am I talking about? The patience. You see, this story is the very next day. The day after Jesus flips the tables and drives out the money changers, Jesus is back at the temple teaching and loving on the people. This is the patience of our God. That immediately following a rebuke, he's reminding them of where the hope is. In fact, if we go to this same story in the book of John, Jesus actually, it says, is preaching the gospel. And the gospel is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he's teaching and preaching. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm here to judge you. No, he's saying, repent of your sin. Why? Because I'm here to love you. I'm here to change you. I'm here to save you. Our God is patient with us. Why? Because he's the ultimate authority. He's not fickle like me as a father. He's a good father. A patient father. Our authority is patient, but he also, and we have to be reminded, gave himself willingly. He gave his life willingly. You see, we, we read this story, and I read it for you, that finally the owner says, I'm going to send my son, for surely they will respect him. And I, I looked up this word in the Greek, and, and the Greek word here for respect is intrepo, and it's the idea of shame, of shaming into respect. And so what this word implies is that they would be so ashamed for how they've treated the servants that they'll respect and accept the son. But they don't do that. It says they actually murder him in cold blood. They kill him. You see, a part of understanding God's authority in our lives is recognizing that everything in our lives has been given by God. Do you know you don't own anything? You know he's given it all? Our breath, the very fact that you're here and you're living and you're breathing is from God. You know everything is on loan. And I think that we often forget that God gave his life willingly, that our ultimate authority gave everything he had willingly, and yet we want to hold on to everything we have. Why? Because we've made ourselves the authority. 
And I just want to challenge you. Because if you have anything in this life, you cannot take responsibility and say, oh, I did this. I earned this. I got this. I'm not saying you didn't use your talent and your wisdom and your ability. But how many know all of that came from God? Everything you have is because of God. And so at the end of the day, we have a Savior, an authority that gave his life willingly. And we need to give all we have back to him willingly. And so some of you in this place, you're like, I'm a good Christian, man. I've accepted the authority of God in my life. But I want to ask, have you really? Because do you give back to him your talent? Do you give back to him your business? Do you give back to him your money? Do you give back to him just some of all that he's given to you? And I think we're so quick to say, oh, I accept the authority of God until he asks, asks us to give something. And then when we have to give willingly, suddenly we go, ah, actually, God, I think I'm in the authority on this matter. Actually, God, I think I know what's best here because let, let me tell you, like, I don't know how that's all going to work. I don't really have time to serve. I, don't, I, I can't afford to give. And I'm going to tell you, you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to give of your talent, of your treasure, of all that he's given to you. Why? Because if you do, you are rejecting the authority of God. Some of you are like, I didn't come to be uncomfortable today, Caleb. You know that's my job, right? The word of God sometimes makes us uncomfortable. But this week it was a reminder for me. Because I like to act like everything I have is because of me. See, I'm not preaching at you. Because like I said multiple times today, I'm with you. My natural inclination is to feel like I did it. I earned it. I accomplished it. This is because of my blood, sweat, and tears. But I have to recognize that our authority gave his life willingly so I could have life at all. And all the life that I have and all the blessings I have in this life, I have to be willing to lay it back down at his feet. Our authority gave his life willingly. And finally, our authority is just. Our authority, the ultimate authority, the truth about our ultimate authority is he is a just God. You see, I want to end with this. The band would come back. The end of this story, Jesus is speaking, he says, he will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Here's what I've realized in my life. God is patient. He's so patient, but he's also just. And there comes a time, like there came for Israel, where they had rejected the stone. And God said, I'm going to 
take that stone and make him the cornerstone for others. You see, the people of Israel rejecting the stone of Jesus turned Jesus into the cornerstone for all the Gentiles. And that's you and me. What I've realized in my life when it comes to the justice of God is what we pass on will be passed on. If you pass on things from God, he will pass on those things from God to someone else. If you pass on the direction from God, eventually he's going to pass on his direction to someone that's willing to step into the purpose that he has for them. What one man rejects, there are other men who will accept it. And so my challenge to us today is in the justice of God, that our ultimate authority is just, that today you would choose, you would decide, you would declare, I accept you as my authority. Because the authority of God is not there to oppress us. The authority of God is there to empower us. For when you accept God's authority in your life, you will walk with God's authority on your life. So the big question today that I want to close with is will you accept the authority of Jesus in your life? Or will you reject the authority of Jesus in your life? You see, this one simple question will dictate the direction of your life. It determines your destiny. And some of you have been playing games with God. And I've been there at times in my life where I play games. Some of you have just lost focus. This last year, I think a lot of us just lost focus. And we, we've lost the perspective of making God the ultimate authority in our life. And I wanted to challenge us because I think a church that decides to make God their ultimate authority is a dangerous church. And this world doesn't need a, a, a neutered church. And I got to be honest with you, that's what I see. A, a, a church, not here, but in general, the church in America, I think, has become a consumer, comfortable Christianity church. And what I believe God is saying today, he's saying, if you accept my authority on your life in all areas, all aspects, I'm going to make you deep. And I believe a deep church is a dangerous church. The problem is we got churches a mile wide and an inch deep. And what I see and what I believe God is saying to us today in this place is, I don't care how wide you are right now. I'm here and calling you to go deep. If you go deep, if you jump in to the deep, you allow me to draw you deeper. Your roots go deeper. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to walk dangerous in this world. And God needs and is calling us to be the empowered church that only comes when we say, you're our authority. You're our guide. We're following everything you say, what you dictate, what your word speaks. Culture wants to change us. But I believe we're called to go into culture and to point them to what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And so today, 
I'm asking you, have you accepted the authority of God on your life, in your life? I know some like, this was intense, Caleb. I know it was. I think we needed to hear it today. It was intense for me this week. Chrissy and I had an intense week, I should tell you. Intense. But I believe it's because God's drawing us into the deep. Deeper place, deeper people, devoted hearts, dedicated souls. And so today I'm asking you, will you accept the authority of God in your life once and for all? Would you close your eyes, bow your heads across this place? I just want to give us a moment to be alone with God. I don't do this out of any kind of manipulation. I do this because I want you to focus your heart and your mind on the Savior right now, what it is he's speaking. You see, it's not me speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking in this place. And so if you're here and you say, Caleb, honestly, you're online, you're in the room, you say, that's me. And today I want to decide to accept Jesus as my ultimate authority once and for all. I want you to lift your hand right now. You've been running. You try to do it your way, in your power. You wanted to be the authority, but right now say, I'm accepting his authority on my life. Once and for all, lift your hand. Yes, hands going up in the room. Wow, a lot of hands. Online, I know some of you are responding to this right now. You can put them down. Everyone in here, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, today I confess that I'm a sinner, that I'm broken, that I make mistakes, but I'm asking you to come into my life, to forgive me, to make me new. Today, I accept you as my authority, you as my Savior. I love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Can we stand to our feet, church? And uh, why don't we clap our hands and give God some praise for all these people that responded. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to sing this song one more time, My Soul Sings. I want this to be our declaration that we're making him the authority. Because let's be real, some of you are like, I'm a Christian. But I definitely haven't always made God the authority in my life. Some of you have been running and you just responded by raising your hand. You're like, no, I'm going to give my life fully to Jesus for the first time. I am so thrilled for you. This is the best decision you could ever make. But let's be real, even all of us Christians at times try to make ourselves the authority. So can we sing this song as our declaration that we will let God be the authority in all aspects, all areas of our life. No hesitation, no fear. We're trusting. Why? Because he's the ultimate authority. And he's got us. How many know God's got you? Say, God's got me. He's got you, church. Come on. Let's lift our voices and let's sing this as our declaration to our God. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.